You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Okay, this is going to be one of those podcasts that I really need you to be close to the earbuds or close to the headset and really hear because joining me right now is a friend that I've had for 13 and 14 years and that's a friend with a capital F. I lectured in a little town called Wichita Falls, Texas, I guess 13, 14 years ago and met Dr. Lynn Jennings who is here with me right now. And the two of us struck up a relationship. Mind you, in these lectures that I would do, you know, 100 people might show up and then we hit big and more people showed up. A lot of them were doctors, but few had the time to not only hear what I was saying, but heed what I was saying. I really felt that fungus played a role in much of what ailed humans. Traditionally, we are told that autoimmune diseases are what ail humans today, right? I remember when there was 50 or 60 autoimmune diseases, and those are things like arthritis, they're things like cancer. And Dr. Jennings were told, and I believe erroneously told, that an autoimmune disease happens when cells, healthy cells, put boxing gloves on and start duking it out inside our body. Um, I don't believe that's true, but the stats are fascinating. Today there's 90 and maybe a hundred. Let's see if we can get 110 autoimmune diseases. We're adding to this list. And the sad thing is your peers uh, have a way of saying, we don't really know what causes this, but let's go ahead and treat it. So I'm gonna open up the mic for you to talk a little bit about educating the people listening to this right now on what an autoimmune disease is and what your hypothesis is on why these might be affecting so many people. Well, that's, that's, you may have just opened a huge powder keg with me about autoimmune diseases yeah, because yeah. Um, just to start off, I've been a doctor for over 30 years now. So when I started in, me- when I actually started in medicine and when I was going to the hospitals, it was extremely rare to see an autoimmune disease. And I mean, it, it, you just didn't, if you, if you saw, if there was someone who had lupus that was hospitalized, I mean, all of the residents would go and read her chart and go in the room because you just didn't see it. Now, you know, it's so common, it's, it's crazy. And the question to me in my mind is, why? Why has there been an explosion of autoimmune diseases, per se? So looking at the autoimmune diseases, the one thing they all have in common is inflammation. And so now we're told, you know, the idea behind autoimmune diseases for people, that at least that patients are told, is, you know, your body's, your immune system is attacking self. And it's like, well, why? Why would it, why would it do that? And to me, it doesn't make sense. There's something to me that it's attacking that and my theory, is, my theory is a little bit wild, but, and I'll go into it a little bit later, but basically what we're dealing with is inflammation. And so then you look at, and look at um, everything that you talk about when we look at fungal disease. Well, fungus, fungus and fungal disease is really just the basis, I think, for inflammation in the human body. Okay, let's jump off there because that's fascinating. What makes dough you know, wheat and water inflamed. 
you got to put yeast in it and then slowly you heat it up and it'll slowly rise. Well, that oven is 350 degrees and so within a half hour, poof, you got bread. We're not. We're 98.6. So it's going to take us years and years and years for that yeast to start rising and to show up. I'll never forget Dr. Jennings. Ten years ago, maybe, the cover of Time magazine, you know, had a had an elbow all lit up, or maybe it was a shoulder in red. Doctors have finally discovered the cause of cancer, of Parkinson's or Alzheimer's disease, of heart disease. And boy, everybody bought that issue, you know. And you go to read it, and you get in the 14th paragraph, and it finally says, I'm going to say a big word here, says the medical school, but I want you all to hear it. Inflammation. Absolutely. But Dr. Jennings is a different kind of a doctor. Most doctors would say, oh, okay, well, there are anti-inflammatory drugs that we should now put our patients on. But you heard Lynn, Dr. Lynn Jennings, say, I want to know why inflammation begins. So take it away. Well, just look, if you look at, and, and I know that, and I know that you and I have talked about this before, but if you look at all, most of the chronic medical conditions that people are treated for, if you look at the root cause of those medical problems, let's talk diabetes, arthritis, heart disease, the inflammatory bowel diseases, all of those, the one thing that they all have in common is inflammation. So it's just a matter of where the inflammation is showing up, whether it's in your veins or it's in your arteries or it's in your joints. Okay. Good point. So that, that's, that's number one. The other thing, the other point that I wanted to bring up about that is where are the majority of the inflammatory cells in your body? Where is your immune system located? In the gut. It's in the right. gut. It's in the 70, 80 percent in the tissue around your gut. So again, and I know I sound like I'm kind of jumping off here, but these are ideas that are coming to you right now. We know that 70, 80% of the inflammatory, uh, the immune system, excuse me, mm -hmm. the per, your, your immune system is surrounding the tissues of your, of your GI tract. So if you're going to have a problem that causes an inflammatory problem, wouldn't it stand to reason that it would start in your GI tract somewhere? And then... Your peers would say, no, no, diet doesn't play a role in this at all. I think that's changing. But, you know, you just said, now, kind of go with me here. I'm hypothesizing a bit. But I got to tell you, this is what makes podcasts great. Because your peers, look, I'll never forget, I'm sitting on an American Airlines flight hmm, 15 years ago and bought Science, a science magazine. I don't know the name of it. But the AAAI, American Academy of Allergy and Immunology, mm -hmm. bought a full-page ad, and it said autoimmune disease, and then it listed them, everything from cancer, you know. And then it says, we don't know the cause of them, but new drugs are coming. And I sat there, and I said, you have got to be kidding me. This is what 90% of all office visits are. And for them to attest in writing, we don't know the cause of them, but don't worry, new pills are coming. I want you here today. I want you to hypothesize. I don't want to hear what the American Academy of Allergy and Immunology says, because we know what they're going to say. Well, Doug, that is a swollen knee. I'm going to give you a shot. Then I'm going to give you a pill called prednisone for a period of time. Then I want you to come back, and we may have to surgically excise that to drain it. Yada, yada, yada. Come on. You admitted you don't know the cause. Here's a doctor with us today who's saying, you know, 
we might know more about the cause because I've seen now a thousand patients with these problems and here's what I've done to help them. And you have. Well, it's funny. It's funny that you said that though, put someone on prednisone. So we look at steroids and we think, what does a steroid do? It is an anti-inflammatory. It, it modulates your immune system reaction to whatever's going on. So, and that's something I don't think that people, I don't think people understand what inflammation really is. It really is your immune system reacting to something that shouldn't be there or is causing a problem. So it stands to reason, kind of, doesn't it, if a steroid works. And we know that a lot of the anti-cancer treatments now are directed at different parts of the gene, but a lot of the, a lot of the treatment, excuse me, for not cancer, but for autoimmune mm -hmm. diseases are immune modulating drugs. They, they affect the way your body's immune system reacts to things. Yeah. So not surprisingly though, if you're on an immune modulating drug, you're also more at risk for developing infections because your body doesn't respond normally. So. It's so true. You know, you know Greg Emerson. He's right. a medical doctor from Australia. He was telling me the other day something, Lynn, you would just love. So he's working out in the field, and he pricks his finger on a thorny brush. Mm. And he said uh, <clears throat> he, it hurt, <clears throat> but he, <clears throat> excuse me, it hurt, but he pulled this out. And the next day he woke up, and it was really inflamed, really red. And then he said something I don't hear doctors say, but I heard you allude to it. It's supposed to be red. It's supposed to be it's red. It's supposed to be inflamed. Something that shouldn't be a thorn with germs on it went into his finger. And he said, you know, you can put any number. Greg owns 50 acres and he lives on the land and wow. he, he raises his own weeds, his own food and so forth. And he said, I could put any number of herbs on it and accelerate the healing process, which he did. Or I could go in the house and take an anti-inflammatory drug. Now that may have devastated, it might open the pores in my lumen, the lining of the intestine, and let foods leak out, thereby leading to the leaky gut syndrome. Or it might, if it's the right anti-inflammatory, really injure my liver. Or I could pull the thorn out and rub oregano on it and my boom boom would be healed. And then he said, you know, this is what Americans vie for. When their finger is swollen, they will pull this out and run to a doctor and get a shot of steroids. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. It's the inflammatory process, I'm sure in medical school you learned that, look, the body responds to these things by launching a, a, a safety net around that area with germs in it now. And yet what we're telling people is you don't worry, we're not going to teach you safety nets anymore. You get to a medi clinic and get a bunch of shots and get a bunch of gauze put on there and truly sometimes, I'm thinking the way they think, sometimes that little capillary inflammatory process could become systemic. Capillaries dump into veins, veins dump right. into arteries, you know. So you've got to think that way also. Well, so, and so just for people who are listening, I would say that if you cut yourself and you get inflammation, yes, there, there's a, there can be a fine line between something that's going to heal naturally and something that's infected. Right. And, so there, and so that's really what you should be going to see. If you're going to see the doctor, that's what you're looking for. But just because you have a little red spot doesn't necessarily mean it's infected. Mm -hmm. It's just inflamed. Okay, so good point. Now let's go to the gut.
that is inflamed, which we say sometimes is infection, and maybe not bacterial, but most doctors think, I'll never forget 2007, the American Academy of Microbiology said, basically fungi can impregnate human tissue and cause serious illness and disease, but doctors aren't taught that. That was 2007, no. you know, that wasn't even a decade ago. Uh, and that's probably still their position. So now you're seeing patients with different eyes than you were 30 years ago, and you're trying to teach them what that inflammation is all about. And so you'll set up a diet and a, a protocol for them to follow. And why don't you come back and see me in a couple of weeks and we'll see how you're doing. Is that kind of what you do now? That's what, yes. Okay. That's, that's the idea. So, and it's interesting that, that you say that because I, I know that there have been articles that have looked at, that have looked at finding a lot of fungal DNA in tissues when they've biopsied inflammatory bowel disease patients. And then also takes me back to, uh, again, something that, you, that we've talked about before. Um, one of the major universities, and since I can't remember the name, I won't even say it now, but one of the major universities filed for a patent, a patent to treat inflammatory bowel disease with antifungal, with, at the time, would have been amphotericin. So this would have been back probably in the 1990s sometime. Mm -hmm. And so tell me that they didn't already suspect it if they were filing for a patent. What is so scary to me is that we are entrusting our children mm. uh, and their children to a group of really, really smart, high IQ people. By the way, Lynn, you fit into that category perfectly. <laughs> But what doctors are taught, can you imagine going back to medical school today? Oh, it'd be totally different. Here's when the rules changed, I think. Doctors must continue their medical education, as must nurses. I think that's a brilliant idea. I don't want somebody graduating medical school in 1956 and taking my liver out, you know, in 2015. I want them to stay up on the news, right? But guess what? There's been this paradigm swing in who offers those continuing medical education courses. Right. Wouldn't you think a board of 75 PhDs from the finest universities would think tank this through? But they haven't. The drug companies, with their money, have come in and told our Food and Drug Administration that they are now going to be the teachers of all doctors in offering continuing medical education courses. Do you not see a conflict there, folks, that drug companies are teaching your doctors. Since antibiotics are the best sellers, you know, followed by steroids and hormones and so forth, do you think the doctor will ever hear the fungus word as they're teaching them? No, they're not. Do you think they'll hear the D word, diet, plays a role in the inflammatory process? No, they'll hear about 15 new drugs. And then they'll take tests, and if they pass those seven questions, uh, then they'll get continuing medical education. This blows me away of the conflicts of interest that exist today in the halls of science. Well, it seems like I just read an article about the fact that the drug companies have been encouraged by the powers that be. Uh, whoever it was to continue to develop newer antibiotics because nobody was really doing that recently because there's not because of how much it will cost to get FDA approval right, right. and all the hoops that they have to jump through 
But I never read, I don't, let me reword that, I don't ever read about new antifungals. It's the same antifungals that have been around yeah. forever. I mean, well, with the, a big improvement from amphotericin, yeah. but... But when that years when ago. that was the only thing right. that you could use, that but, was thirty years ago. But we that saw was thirty years ago. Right. Lamisosporinox diflucan, great yep. improvements, right? right? Now we see voriconazole. I'm telling yeah. you what Dr. Jennings is saying is so accurate. There have been a thousand new antibiotics. You know why? Because we're becoming resistant to, uh, resistant to antibiotics. No, we're not. We're not becoming resistant. We're eating them in our chicken and in our beef. We're eating these hormones. It's upsetting our system. And then when we get infected, those oh antibiotics gosh. don't work. I mean, it's just terrible, terrible well, situation you know, we find ourselves in. Like we talk about the autoimmune diseases, there being an explosion. The thing that is really scary is, the, is how young. It's younger and younger patients that are coming in with autoimmune disease maxed out already when 16-year-olds are having to have their colon removed because they've got ulcerative colitis. It's like, you're 16 years old. I know, I know. And so, but when you look at those people's history, they usually, they have quite frequently, I'll reword this just for the safety, for safety, mm -hmm. safety sake, um, that a lot of these people have been children that have been treated for repeated ear infections, and usually, and, and really, that's the big one. Repeated ear infections has been the thing that has struck me. And then, in the cases of the older patients that have developed problems, um, it's. I mean, it, it's true. It's the same. It's the same thing. Same it's thing. about. It all works out. The time frame when we started doing antibiotics on a regular basis, and and I'm as guilty. I am as guilty as anyone as a doctor. I, there was a time, even you know, even when I first, when before I had first even met you, and where patients would come in, the mom would bring their child in, and the mom would say, "This my kid's got an ear infection." I go, "Yes," or, or "Yeah, it kind of looks like an ear infection. He needs to be on an antibiotic." And you know, I would write that antibiotic, Lynn. I would because I knew that if I didn't write that right. antibiotic, that mom felt like she wasn't getting Thank proper you. care Thank from you. her doctor. They did this interview in a pediatric journal one time, oh, many years ago, and you're, you hit the nail right on the head. Much of this is doctor's fault for just handing out antibiotics like they were candy. And by the way, sidebar, antibiotics are mycotoxins. So the mold is penicillium. Mm -hmm. The poison it makes is called penicillin. Does that name ring a bell? Thank God it's a poison because it kills little organisms in little doses. But go with me here. We're big organisms, and in huge doses, they'll kill us. Okay, these are poisons, like alcohol. This is a poison. So what Dr. Jennings was just saying is, you take these people who are at 16 years old are having gut diseases and getting their colons cut out or their intestines uh, section cut out. Um, what's the etiology? Why does a 14, 15, 16-year-old child have that? I think sometimes you can trace that back to mold and mold poisons that that child lived on year after year because of inner ear infections, because they lived in a moldy home, and the mold settled in their ear canals while they slept at night. I mean, that sounds bizarre, but it really could be that. I can thank my mom for not taking me to the doctor. 
very exactly. much when I was a kid. Lynn, they I mean, couldn't it, afford it. Our parents couldn't afford, couldn't afford to take us I to know. the Who had $5 back then? This could go on all day. I know. So I'm going to end it here. So Dr. Jennings, this has been a magnificent, what's it been, 20 minutes on autoimmunity or immune diseases, autoimmune diseases. And it really opens my eyes. I know it opens others' eyes. Have you lived in a moldy home? Have you taken lots of antibiotics when you were 18 or 21 or 35? Did you start drinking a lot of alcohol? That means you've been exposed to a lot of mold and their poisonous mycotoxins. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.